Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Monty and Wolf Show. Uh, hi, Dom, if you're watching this on your stream again. Welcome. Thank you for watching. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's start off this week with a return to the KT drama. We'll start it spicy. So Hirai, the KT coach, he was fined $2,000 for what? Cursing at a referee? So he was, I mean, like I said, last time we talked about this one, I wasn't there on the KT match day, but I know that he, I, I heard that he was screaming and cursing very loudly because there were reports from fans in the audience. There were reports from staff. Like everybody knew about it, right? Um, he was very <laughs> angry. Uh, and Supreme, I think was also there, but like taking more of the, the good cop role. So, um, he he got in trouble for basically delaying the game, and I think this might be Riot's way of or LCK's way of retroactively like being like our referees are in control, and so you can't delay the game and yell. And um, it seems like a slap on the wrist, trying. honestly. Like, yeah, you know. I mean, it is it is very annoying that he's suspended for two weeks because now he can't be on stage with his players and can't give that additional sure. feedback, which I think. Hirai is not as much of the strategy coach as he used to be, but I, th I still think it will affect them. In week two, it didn't really feel like it did. Um, <laughs> I don't think they looked worse without him, but um, I, look, I, I think it's good to find these uh, these coaches and, and anyone who tries to delay the game. I also do think, though, going back to what we talked about already last week, you do need to just tell these coaches like straight up, like follow the rules that we have laid out in our ruling or forfeit it's over. And like, if people are yelling, it's just like, get them out. Like, I don't know what to say. Uh, I love I Hirai, did. by the way, one of my favorite coaches of all time across multiple games. <laughs> yeah. He um, goes back to the Starcraft days, guys. He's, he is old school for sure. Yeah. If you guys remember like Nesty and MVP, the insanely famous, like mythological players that, uh, Tasis and Artosis were casting back in the day. I cast a little bit back in the day. Uh, he was the coach of those two players. He was like the one called responsible, you know, for making them as good as they were. And as a as a coach, too, I respect the fact that he's willing to flip out and fight for his players because I think it's it's important to do that, to have co cohesion with your team and to, like, build teamwork for yourselves. I mean, that's why you see a lot of coaches doing it in professional sports. It's like theater to to psych up their team and make sure that everybody listens to them basically since then they, your players will know that you're on their side, even if you're being kind of unreasonable in the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, as we discussed last week, a pretty clear cut issue where the rule had been broken and like cursing. I mean, he got, he got his, he got a just punishment, I think for this. Yeah. He posted, um, like on Facebook as well. Um, after the match saying like, I'm going through like a really hard time in my life. Like not, this is like not after he was fine, but he was basically saying like, this is a really hard time for me. I'm like struggling right now. And thanks for all your support, basically. And, um, you know, I, I think he's frustrated with the results. He's gone through health issues, right? We all know that like at the end of spring season, he was absent because he was very sick. Um, so he's he's had a, a rough go of it, you know, like he's a very famous coach in Korea. And I think, um, you know, frustrations might reach a certain point when you have to deal with this ruling and it doesn't feel fair. But at the end of the day, you know, Hopefully we got a rule added in the rule book for what happens if you buy a forbidden item. <laughs> Hopefully that's going to be an amendment and this won't ever happen again. And it'll just be like, oh, I guess that's it. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to start off with this conversation, Wolf, because the transition is, I wish this item was still fucking banned. 
I yeah. wish we didn't have static shiv, but we switched patch, and now here we are. You guys may have seen some of this in the LEC, the the static shiv shenanigans with LeBlanc that are happening. Well, we got a lot of it in the LCK as well, uh, including yeah. some really great performances by Showmaker and the rest of D plus Kia, and some less good performances by closer on live sandbox versus kt uh but it has made its way over to korea after starting off in the lec and it is um very broken as it yeah. turns out very broken i have a feeling it's going to spread like wildfire throughout all aspects of of korean league like i'm going to go cast challengers later i assume it's going to be in like every game there i'm I'm like feeling like it might even be like leblanc ends up getting banned in first rotation because of how strong and oppressive this can be especially if you get ahead and what the stats do for leblanc in general this allows her to poke more consistently and she could do additional auto attacks um, that actually are impactful and then leave because she is leblanc so not only does she get wave clear from this, which means she can actually side lane more oppressively yep. and, and actually be more obnoxious. Especially with Lichbane. Yeah. They have Lichbane. You're zooming around the map. You're pushing super hard. You do a lot of damage. And somebody tries to get you, you just, you're like, I'm LeBlanc, bye! <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, LeBlanc is balanced around the fact that if she wants to push really hard, she can't, like, she can escape well, but it's going to take her a million years to do it. So now that she can actually push hard quickly and then also be unkillable and just ult and double distortion away. Like, how could you ever catch her? And then in team fights, because she has that same mobility, she can actually get a bunch of poke damage done and additional auto attack damage and then escape the same way. And in these and, uh, and she can proc Night Harvester across an entire team all at the same time by because the, the chain lightning will actually proc it. And you know, I really enjoyed my favorite part about this wolf was watching the Hextech Soul in combination with the static Shiv LeBlanc. It was actually difficult for me to tell sometimes which was procking, whether it was the Hextech Soul <laughs> Lightning or the static Shiv Lightning. It was truly a nightmare game, but it was very entertaining if you guys want to yeah. watch those those D-plus those Kia games. It's also like, um, she still does burst. It's not like if she builds this, she doesn't like kill people. She doesn't just one-shot the carry. Like She will still do that as well. <laughs> She's, it's It's... It's a problem. Um, I'm a little bit surprised it was discovered this late, to be honest, considering how insanely busted it seems to be. And people were talking about it. People were like, is this good? And people's consensus seemed to be like, it's almost good, but not really. But you put it in the hands of top pros like Showmaker, and I think we've we've learned that it is very good. <laughs> I think we'll probably see Faker play it. I, I can't imagine a world where Faker does not play it next week. Like. He's going to play LeBlanc. I mean, Chovy, very famous, Le, very famous LeBlanc player, especially even last split was playing a lot of LeBlanc. And like you say, it really does eliminate so many of LeBlanc's weaknesses, gives her instant wave clear, which you might have had to use multiple abilities in order to facilitate previously, uh, makes her an insane split pusher, makes her poke even better. So she's even better at the things that she was already good at. And there's basically no downside. So what what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Yeah, the game is going to be broken for a while. And this is the this is one of the weaknesses of our patch system that we have in Pro League of Legends is that because of our two-week system, usually Riot feels confident that there will be no nothing that arises on a certain patch that is super broken. And now that this has been kind of discovered, we will have it for the, the additional week we have on this patch. 
And before any additional patches can come out, two more weeks of this because it, they can't retroactively go back and and fix it. I mean, they could hot fix it if it was like completely game broken, uh, breaking. I don't you could just ban LeBlanc. Let's be honest. Like, uh, so the thing is, is that the only other champion that this that might be really affected by this is probably Zoe. Um, and I mean, maybe BDD, famous Zoe player, maybe he's the one who buffs out the static shift Zoe. But I think it's much more oppressive on LeBlanc than it is probably on Zoe. Um, so I think you just I think LeBlanc just ends up being permanent banned. Or I mean, we did see we did see KT beat Live uh, Live Sandbox using the using the static shift LeBlanc, but you have to really aggressively pursue the LeBlanc in the side lanes. And I think KT played against it very well by just having stronger split pushers basically and collapsing on the LeBlanc and and shutting it down. They were very active about targeting her. So it's yeah. not like it's unbeatable. It's just it is overpowered. <laughs> Yeah, and when you have like targeted CC, like Kino's playing Renekton, and it gets a little bit easier, and, and like the block has to leave early, or we'll just get chain CC'd and then not be able to get away and stuff like that. But yeah, I uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Like it was cool at first. I was like, oh, new tech, and then after I saw Showmaker play, it, I was like, bad tech, not good for the game. Um, but uh, speaking of Showmaker, I guess we could spend some time talking about D plus um, before we talk about KT and the Telecom Wars. <laughs> Um, it was a bit of a weird week for D plus this week. Uh, they didn't look good, but they also had deft sick. So I mean, he was too ill to play. And then he recovered enough to play online. Um, and looked great against Nongshim. Look really yeah. good. Against Nongshim. So like he looked good, but it was also Nongshim. I, I'm not saying that deft is weak or anything right now, but D plus there's something about this team where they just can't seem to be consistent around either the top or bottom side of the map i think most of the time like showmaker canyon in mid that's always like you're you're you know it's going to be good you you can trust that no matter what showmaker is playing he'll be empowered he will have resources um but sometimes canyon is playing picks where like his kha'zix unfortunately where he just looks a little bit lost on on what he's trying to do and the team isn't moving well with him as a five-man unit sometimes we're seeing kana have good moments in lane, but sometimes we're seeing him kind of fail in gauges or dying as a 3-0. Um, like what was he playing in that game against the Gwen? He was 3-0 on Cassante and died solo uh, to the Gwen. Well, he did was... get three solo kills. Okay. Yeah, true. Okay, so... <laughs> Slow part your roll, four, part four, Yeah, well, part four didn't go so well, but... I mean, it's it's Gwen, right? Um, I think it, I think there was some happy gaming going on by that point, Wolf. If I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be honest, I think maybe by that point in the game, they were not entirely playing seriously anymore. They were already up one zero in the series, and they were really dominating uh, in that second game. There were there's like a discussion going on, I think, um, within the LCK casters right now about like is Damwon actually good or are they like <laughs> Or are they kind of like fourth place right now? And oh, hold on, hold sure on. What's gonna happen. That's always been the discussion this year. When, I know. I know. When has that discussion changed? Well, this has been the ongoing discussion. And by the way, guys, D plus has played Live Sandbox, DRX. They lost to OK Savings Bank Breon, their new name. Just slays me, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but again, that was with a substitute and I'm not going to read too much into that just because I think if you had to take this entire year, deft has been the most stable carry on this roster. So losing him for a series is probably, you know, quite, 
quite harmful. And they came back and then immediately just mega clapped Nongshim and were the team we expected. But this is all to say that they have they've literally played the bottom four teams in the league at this point in time. And it's reminiscent of how they started in the spring split when they were absolutely crushing everybody with the the Lucian Nami games. And then we when they when they got tested a few weeks later by harder opponents, they looked a lot less good. And by the way, their next four opponents are KT, Genji, Hanwha Life, and then T1. So we're going to learn yeah. real quick about these guys. <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Uh, I'm I'm right now feeling like if Def recovers, you know, there's a chance that we could see some some upsets and Dominic could take some of these teams out. Like, I think it's not unrealistic to expect that they could beat Hanwha if they're playing at their best. Um, the other teams, though, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sold. I, I think that Deft is a player right now where he he's not always the focal point on this roster, similarly to how, like, for example, aiming is often just left on his own because Lahens is like, I'm going mid, I'm doing some other stuff. You could just sit down there and scale. We're going to play around Keen. But Damwon aren't getting the same advantages that KT are getting when they leave Deft alone, for example. And when he is played towards, he isn't getting fed when he's not playing champions like Draven or Lucian, right? Like, I still think there are some issues when Deft is playing the late game champions. Like, he played Jinx, right, yesterday, and he was An able to... all-time Deft classic. Yeah, but, I, I mean, know. he was playing against Nongshim, so... Again, I don't want to read too much into that. It was also, like, Cassiopeia for Quad again, which is... I don't know how this player is just like literally allowed to be a Cassiopeia one trick in a professional league, but that's just how it is. Um, and like, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to talk about Nongshim that much on the show. Okay. Like I want to say more positive things. Um, but yeah, I, it's hard to judge D plus right now, but I, I get the vibe that like, maybe I'm burned from last season where they did crush early. And then we, we found out they weren't actually good outside of playing that Lucian Nami style. And they struggled a lot. Um, in the later parts of the season. And this time I'm kind of like, it's not as dominant even as their start in spring. And I'm kind of like, I think it's, I think they're looking a little bit off. I think they're looking a, a little bit rough around the edges and I think they will be hit hard by those those later tests. And it's not like Deft alone is a problem. I just feel like he isn't given the proper resources to carry. It feels like Canyon is also trying to carry on his own and Showmaker's trying to carry on his own in team fights and Kana is failing engages, so where's the cohesion? I feel like when I watch how KT play around aiming and how Genji play around pays, I'm like, cool, like that's exactly what this meta needs. You know, you have a front line, you know exactly how you're gonna uh, empower your AD carry, you're gonna peel for him. Um, and even like how T1 plays around Guma, like owner does such a great job when he's playing on tanks, peels for Guma, makes sure Guma can pop off. Deft, I feel like Deft dies first in team fights like half the time. Like, where's the peel? Like, nobody's actually helping this guy. And it's not like he's positioned badly. The team is just like, Showmaker's like, I'm back there. I'm going to kill somebody. Canyon's like, I'm going to set up this flank engage. And Deft is like in the middle, like, I don't have any guards. Like, where are my guards? And then he dies. <laughs> and like, sometimes I'll take somebody with him. But, and, and because they are the stronger team, all of those things I was talking about against teams like Nongshim, like, Showmaker on the flank does get that kill. Canyon does actually block the enemy AD carry from doing things, and then they still win despite a shaky setup because they're the better team. But for me, I feel like Deft hasn't been empowered the same way Pays, Guma, uh, Aiming have been so far. So for me, I'm kind of feeling like D-plus are sitting in, like, fourth, and maybe we could see, like, Hanwha overtake them if if they don't start to figure it out.
Well, here's some stats that kind of uh, bolster up your point there, Wolf, which is that among 80 carries that we would consider like the really lane dominant early game 80 carries, uh, Lucian, he's 12 and one on this year. Uh, Draven, he's four and zero on this year. And Caitlin, he's three and one on this year. Right. So what is that? Uh, He is 19 and two across Lucian, Draven and Caitlin. but. Among the other most played 80 carries, like Varys, he's, what, uh, three and four. Zeri, he's three and three. Sivir, he's one and four. And those are his next most played three after Lucian. Um, Ezreal, he's two and two. Jinx, he's two and one. Aphilios, he's two and oh. So those are more recent ones, the Jinx and the Aphilios, right? Um, because of the way that the meta has shifted. But it goes to show that a lot of these champions, uh, you know, he he hasn't been doing that well on unless, like you say, he's really like crushing the lane and they're empowering him through that laning phase. Yeah. And so it it just feels like. I don't know, some, something has to change around how this team is playing or maybe their meta read is just different and they're going to figure out their own play style and Deft is going to play more of a like supportive role and may, maybe like he'll play a lot more jinx and they'll be looking for picks with showmaker and he's trying to play that style of of play where you you end up taking a 4v5 or rather a 5v4 you're the five you kill somebody or kill the enemy ad carry and then def just kind of walks forward maybe that's the style that they want to play but i think that the meta has shown especially msi has shown that just protecting the the hyper carry is generally the way to go and then you have players like pays who were playing aphelios so well in a multifaceted way where they're both executing people and killing people with gale force with the lead that they have like what lucian is doing in spring season but then also just front to back ripping through tanks as well with good protection and good peel and then you know having that amount of agency and power is like what makes genji so good because pays knows how to play both sides of the coin so extremely well i'd say guma is pretty good at this too um, and aiming has had his moments on Aphelios, but I think it's it's more been just the front to back style from him. But yeah, Deft, I I really want to see this player get the resources he deserves because he is such a fantastic player. We've seen it across his entire career, and I'm not saying like D plus sucks. I'm just saying of the top teams, they seem to be the weakest at at how team fighting works in this meta. Well, I I also have to you know point out. Uh, that they do have some, you know, really fun games that we've seen so far. And it really shows their versatility as well, particularly because we we got to see the jungle Nico coming in from Canyon and he played it extremely well. Fun game. And it was really fun to watch that game. If you guys haven't seen that one, it is worth going back uh, just to check out. It was the first game versus uh, Nongshim this last week. And it's just hilarious because he's pretending to be Kellen's Leona and like slash dancing in front of them at all times. And it must just have just been incredibly tilting because he's basically just styling on them and mocking them. And this is another showmaker LeBlanc static shiv game. It's the, a huge deft carry game on the Jinx. And it's really, really hilarious uh, to watch. And by the way, Wolf, I found out he is the only player in a major region to play Jungle Nico so far. This summer. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's been played so, like only in mid in, in uh, LPL, even though LPL doesn't ban it all the time. It's been played like a million times in LPL. It's yeah, like yeah. always mid. Um, so it was a conversation we were having, like, is this actually a flex pick? It's played a ton in the um, Korean server for solo queue as jungle. Like we see it all the time, but it hasn't really been played in pro. And um, 
we were wondering before the season, like, is this going to be the region that plays at jungle? And then it was perma banned, so we didn't. We've had like almost no opportunities to see if it was going to be flexed. <laughs> but of course, D plus is going to be the team to do it. They're going to be the ones to actually to make that happen. And it's Canyon, so I'm not well, surprised. I, but this is by what this. we love about this is yeah. what we love about D plus. Yeah. You know, we love the fact that they're a Talia flex mid jungle team. We love the fact that they're a Nico flex mid jungle team. Right? These are these are extremely entertaining ways to play the game, and so far, you know, they've they've delivered. And I think to your point about uh, the, I think if you can get to a point where they can actually play a solid front to back team fighting composition, the versatility of this roster is going to be absolutely nuts because Canyon's been playing the scion in the jungle as well. Uh, we saw all the versatility they had, especially with the jungle flex picks last split constantly. And he's back on the lease in as well now. Um, so I would just love to see a solid front to back team fighting composition. Cause if Kana can just be the tank guy, I think it solves quite a few of their problems and the Renekton guy. I mean, famously very good Renekton player as well. Yeah. I'm looking at, I wanted to look at Canyon stats uh, really quick. I, I'm just pulling them up because he has played obviously the jungle scion, which is another pick that like they revolutionized. Right. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. But um, he's played Jungle Scion twice and Wukong once, but otherwise has not played like any tanks. Um, and I wouldn't even really consider like Jungle Scion a traditional well, tank Maokai. because, I mean, yeah, Maokai is like pseudo tank, right? But he's not sure. playing Sejuani, right, at all. And I think Sejuani is one of those picks right now that you don't always get to choose. You don't get to like guarantee that you can prioritize it, but we're seeing a lot of teams really find both early game success with Sejuani and insane peeling. I I'm just surprised I, he hasn't I don't, been able to pick it up. I don't think that's their identity, though, Wolf. Like, he, his, he's got three games on Viego. If I'm optimizing this roster, here's what I want. Here's what I want for, for D+, if I'm their coach. I want Deft on one of these early game ADCs, or I want him on Jinx, and I want Canyon on Viego. And I like what they've been doing with Showmaker, Annie, Ari, the Static Shiv, LeBlanc. These are like pick, you know, highly roamable champions that can set up. Because ultimately what you're trying to do is set up Viego resets for Canyon, Earth. right? Or set up Jinx resets for Deft. That's the way this team should be playing. And because it's so fucking annoying that Scion is a flex pick or Nico is a flex pick or and now we've seen BDD, you know, bring back the Talia. Talia can be jungled right now. It's not the best jungler, but it can it can be done. So that is still theoretically a flex threat for them. Well, this is a great opportunity for them to be dangerous, especially on the red side, but still have that core identity of getting the resets. And the resets are such a huge part of this meta right now. They can get the front to back team fighting down, which you would think players of this caliber would be able to execute. They can potentially do some real damage because they they have they can hide picks like nobody else in this league. Yeah, maybe I'm just telling too hard on like the standard, like what is the standard way the top teams are playing right now and not really appreciating that Dom one could actually have their own methods that still also work. Um, and like they have done it extremely well in the past too. We've seen them go super deep in these tournaments when they are playing their own style and they're the only ones who are doing it and they're still winning with it. So I'm I'm happy to be wrong if if like they can continue to perfect their style and actually start winning with it and beating the top teams. And if they do that over the course of the next two weeks, then uh, I'm ready to trust. If they do not, then I'm going to start being worried that not that this team is not going to playoffs, but like, is this team going to worlds? Is this team going to maintain top form? 
uh, top four form um, for the rest of the season is a concern I might start to have. Sure. But there's also the fact that Renekton is is rising in priority in the meta. Kana was undefeated this year on Renekton before playing against Lord Morgan. Of course, Lord Morgan dealing him the, the first defeat. But again, we're not reading into that series because that was a sub that was a substitute series where they're honestly their practice this week was probably also disrupted by having Deft be that sick. So, you know, it ultimately like good job for OK Savings Bank Breon for getting that win. We'll talk about you if you can get pick up another big win. OK, maybe without a substitute player there. Um, yeah, but the point I'll is, is that some of those ults. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the point is, the point is, is that for Kana, at least like, yeah, it was a loss, but there were extenuating circumstances. But it does feel like if Kana can be on the Renekton and they have a depth of picks that can't really be banned out at this point in time. And it feels like it should be a good meta for that. It does. Yeah. And, and like D plus have done this before where they are like, no, nope, we're actually going to beat Gen G randomly with Karthus jungle when nobody thinks we can beat them and we have our own read, we have our own special draft and then we're going to yep. absolutely slap it. them. It, it happens and it might happen next week. So <laughs> fingers crossed that they actually have, have some success because the cool thing about D plus, I guess I'll, this is going to be like my final thought. The cool thing about them is when they do win with their own style, then it's the whole meta can like change in the LCK and we can actually move away from what has been like very stale. So maybe this could be the team that actually pushes us out of the dark ages. And hey, look, Showmaker already the one who's pushing us into Static Shiv LeBlanc uh, more than we could say Closer is. So Closer <laughs> played it first, but you know, it was Showmaker who was actually bop bopping people with it. So, um, Bring us out of the dark ages of one really bad meta into a new one. Thanks, Shomaker. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I, I, that said, I, I, I do doubt that they are going to be taking some wins this week. Because in my mind, KT and Gen G are the two best teams in LCK on this patch, in this split so far. So having to play both of them with only one day off in between the games, I think is going to be quite the challenge. Yeah, I do agree. I'm I'm also still firmly feeling like Genji and KT are the best teams, and um, Genji first, KT second in that order. Like I I do think that that is the world we're living you? in. But Doran, <laughs> how dare you? It's not go getting against better. It's not getting better. My for Doran. favorite player, Keen, Gloria, Keen, glorious Keen. Uh, I I don't count the tilt win that Genji was able to get over KT due to bullshit rules yeah, no, I mean, that didn't that apply to that game. Either, to be to be totally frank, <laughs> it doesn't count for me either. And, and I'm I'm not saying like it doesn't count like that. I think that it's meaningless, but I I do think that I don't think it really is indicative of KT's strength. Um, especially we consider game one of that series where KT actually bodied Genji. I don't want to talk too much about the past because we're going to end up talking about like week one. It's also a different badge. Oh. Yeah. But for me, like, even though Doran is, he's not having a good season in the laning phase, there's still a bit to turn those games around very nicely. And he actually is impactful in late game team fights despite like not having money. Imagine if he actually just played well in the lane, how much stronger this team could be. I, I do think that Keen is like, Probably the best top laner by a large margin. Like, Zayas, you could have the conversation in week one, but I think after week two, it, it does feel like it's pretty firmly keen for me. Um, and then Doran is, like, he's not even in, like, top four. Like, he's, like, due to his, like, 
outclassing him massively. So um that's the one angle where you could say KT is better than Gen G right now, I guess, because Doran is Doran. No, but... get out get out of here. Get out of here. So here I'm gonna make the case for KT being the best team. You ready? All so right. it's not especially on this patch, especially on this patch, it's not just that Keen is the best top laner. Glorious Keen is the best top laner within the LCK right now. He can do it all. He can play the text. He's, he's the only player on earth who can play Malphite, number one. Let's put that out there. Malphite was like player on earth. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. What was I'm gonna and look it up? Including right like now. the space colonies and also like anyone who's on Mars. Like, yeah, well, maybe some it. aliens can can play can play it. Um uh, I need to look up the the MSI stats. He was like one and eight at MSI. Um, hold on. Gotta find it. Yeah, Malphite. He didn't have a good time. Malphite did not have a good time at at MSI. So let me just pull it up real quick. Well, he's gonna get the exact number. I am because it was it was really tragic. It was really tra oh he was zero and eight. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> he was 0 and 8 at MSI. He was a That's complete. Right, Keen wasn't pick. there. Because <laughs> Keen wasn't there. The only <laughs> man who can win. Uh, the best top laners in the world. 369, Bin, Zayas. Notice how Doran is in that list. Those three, no. Can they can they get wins on Malphite? Absolutely not. Nope. They can't. Uh so, but Keen, yes. And I actually looks good playing Malphite at the same time. It wasn't like a fluke win. He actually did things that helped win the game. Yeah, he was also like the first one to play it in spring. Like he was the first one to find big success and like play it consistently. So, yeah, it, he can do a lot of work as a tank. He is a huge carry threat on Jackson Renekton. Like these are two champions that are now in the meta with the Renekton buffs coming to through on thirteen eleven. His Jax is still scary. We saw how much his Jax was banned or tried to pick away from him towards the end of the last split. I just don't, he he plays extremely well with this team. He's a super versatile in the roles that he fills on this roster. He's a legitimate carry threat in the top lane. Wonderful teleports, wonderful flanks and team fight positioning. He's just a, he's just a complete package right now. Yeah, yeah, he might not get the same flashy solo kills that Zayas can get from time to time, but he his game sense and his team fighting sense, I would argue is superior right now. And his I versatility is superior. Now here's here's a, perhaps a more controversial take, but another card that KT have that I'm really hyped about is I think Cuz is outperforming Owner and Peanut. Cuz right has now. been shockingly good. That's he's been also very weird. Good. Um, <laughs> and he's he's getting these these early game plays with Keen and actually judging these scenarios so incredibly well. Where you're like, ooh, I'm not sure about that, and then Keen gets a double kill, and you're like, okay, I guess Cuz just knew he was there first, and he knew he had enough damage, and they actually win this. Is Sejuani is insanely good right now. Um, we were talking about how like if Rexai is relevant, he's gonna be really good on it. It ended up not being relevant at all. No one's playing it. Um, it's just yes. pros are thinking it's yes. not good, but he can he can do it right. We know this, but. No one's playing it, and I thought maybe if, if there was going to be a team who did it who wasn't KT, it would be D-plus because they do stuff like that, and they had easy opponents this week. Even D-plus didn't do it. Canyon's like, nah, I'm not touching that, so I don't know if it's actually going to happen. But still, I mean, Cuz looks really good. He's playing around Keen when it makes sense, when Keen's playing champions that have agency and top, and strong topside like the Renekton. But if Keen's just playing tanks, he plays around aiming bottom side and gets aiming ahead. And it's just kind of insane that BDD is also uh, facilitating all of this because he's playing champions like Talia where he's like, you need me to be top, I can be top in, a, in just a second. You need me to be bot, I'll be down there. 
He hasn't played Twisted Fate yet this season, which is also buffed on this patch. But, I mean, BDD is he's really reminiscent right now of like Shaohu of how he just kind of is the glue that holds this team together while they're making strong plays around the, the soul lane, the top side and around bottom side. I mean, he's just able to facilitate all of it. His Azir is insanely good. It's buffed on this patch. Um, I think KT had some happy gaming uh, in that match against Live Sandbox, but BDD came up with some big engages. He was playing uh, insanely aggressively, hitting some big shuffles. And when BDD is on, when he's confident, man, He's one of the best mid laners in the world, and we, and we know this, and we've seen this across his very long career. Like, he's been around for such a long time now. He has so much experience. And when he was on Nongsham last year, we were kind of like, oh, maybe maybe he's fallen off. You know, maybe maybe this is kind of the end. But that team was just a disaster, right? You put him on this KT roster, and he's back to form. It's like it's Genji BDD all over again. Um, and I really think this team is going places. Like, I, I think this is, like, the best KT we've seen since 2018. And... Well I think I think it just checks all the boxes. You know what I mean? Like he, here's the thing about this iteration of KT on this patch, right? You have the versatility of Keen and they're great at team fighting. Okay, so what are their champion pools looking right like right now? Okay, Cuz is playing Sejuani, Viego. The Volibear's a little bit weird, uh but it, they've they've been able to make it work. And Maokai, okay, all pretty meta meta picks. Uh BDD as you say, the Azir's coming back now with the buffs to Azir on this patch. He's still playing the Talia at a very high level. The Annie is there for him also. Aiming is playing all the hyper carries. Aphilios, Jinx, Zeri, all there for him. And he still has that pocket Azreal that was so dangerous last split. And guess what? Who's the king of enchanters? It's our guy Lehens, who can do no wrong with Yumi, basically. Um... Lulu, extremely good Lulu player as well. It just feels like this team is built for this meta. Yeah, they also have, I mean, Lehens is great at Blitzcrank. He was the first one to pull that one out. Yep. Like, he'll, he'll play that. He's also a good Leona player if that becomes relevant again. Uh, like, the only, re the main reason, I don't want to say the only reason, but the main reason why I still have Genji slightly ahead of them is because I think Pays is just, like, far and above the best AD carry in this league. He was hyped. Ooh, he was that's not a hot take. <laughs> I don't, I think he's much better than Viper. I'll even say it like, like in, in spring, I was like, okay, he's top three, maybe like top three, top four, you know, like some people were saying, put him on three for all pro. And I was like, not willing to do it yet. You know, I was like, oh no, I think Viper is better. But the way that he plays, even when Doran is like not tanky because he like inted three times is just insane. He's finding picks and like, yeah, sometimes he still gets caught, like, when he's farming or something like that. Stupid, but those are fixable issues. He also doesn't do it as much as he used to. Like, he was having a lot of problems just getting caught randomly in spring and getting punished because, you know, he's, like, solo queue mentality of, like, well, I'll just be fine out here. There's no one coordinated who's going to punish me for backing right there. But he is just so good. I think he's way better than aiming, for example. Like, if we were talking about just the difference between KT and Gen.G, um, I, I think he's just much stronger. And I think I can shore up some of the weaknesses of Peanut and Doran and like some of their inconsistencies by saying that Pays is just the main character and it's a AD carry centric meta where he is going to do so much and he will very rarely ever get caught in team fights. His Aphelios is insane. Um and you know, he has Delight with him. Delight is also very good right now. He's looking very strong. I think that I as much as I love Lehen's aiming, I can't really even I feel like it would be dishonest if I said they're they're like on the same tier as Pays and Delight right now. I just I don't think they are. Um, and the engages we are seeing from Peanut, Chovy, the follow up from Doran, the way that they are turning some of these games around is is bonkers. So 
if I, I think if KT can get the clutch factor down in some of these fights a little bit better, like I'm not talking about Keen, I'm talking about like clutch factor for BDD and, and Cuz in some of these fights, like maybe we can have that same conversation where the engage is so good doesn't matter how good aiming is. Because aiming is still good, by the way. He's really, really good. I just mean he's, he doesn't have that same killer instinct. He's not the guy who's gale forcing forward and killing people as much as we're seeing like from Pays um, or Guma right now. So I think I mean, it's very it, close, it, but I, I'm I'm still thinking Genji's like a little bit stronger at the moment. I, I mean, I'm going to contest that a little bit because I think aiming is really critical to the success of KT because they still give him a crazy amount of the resources on this roster. Like among the top teams, so outside of Vital, he is has the highest percentage of CS post fifteen minutes, right? Um, he has the second highest gold percentage behind Deft, right? And he is the third in overall damage percentage on his team behind Viper and Deft. The thing is, is that we know that compared to say Hanwha Life, that Keen and and BDD are probably doing a lot more than yeah. than we see on 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 Hanwha Life between King and Zeka, right? So that's kind of more. I would say it's a little bit more meaningful, but aiming is still a very high output, high resource AD carry, and he's been delivering. Yeah, I feel like in, in the eye test, he doesn't he, he he's hard to hype up because he's just so safe. Like he's so stable. He will do the he will do the safe damages, but he's not that um flashy and he doesn't make big mistakes either you know aiming is one of those players that just feels often invisible when it's not a kaisa meta when it's a kaisa meta like everybody's talking about aiming but when it's not a kaisa meta he's just quietly like eh, he's a pretty solid 80 carry they, they play around him in the late game he does fine um whereas i think pays like you look at him in the eye test and you could just see how incredibly he is in terms of his positioning his aggressive moves some of his executions where he goes over the wall and gets like a triple he's just like got the killer instinct that i think aiming i haven't I'm not ready to trust that he has. I think Pays is a is a janitor. He's just a really good janitor, you know. But at the end of the day, still a janitor. I like Pays. Just saying. <laughs> he benefits greatly from the macro precision and the fact that he's on a team with Joby. And Delight yeah. is probably underrated as a support, if we're being honest. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think Delight, Delight Pays is... Better than aiming Lehens, even though I love Lehens. I think Lehens is more famous than Delight. I feel like Delight's just <laughs> been a little bit more robust across the year um, than Lehens has. Lehens has had some great moments. He's had some overextensions. So I don't know if you want to turn this into a talk, since we talked about Genji and KT, if you want to talk about uh, D+, um, and their upcoming match uh, with Genji first, or if you want to talk about the Telecom War first. I'll let you choose, Monty. Oh, I get to choose. Uh, I'm, I'm psyched about the Telecom War. I'm really psyched. I think everybody should be really excited about that one too, especially because T1 is coming off some really dominant wins this week, especially with some cheeky, cheeky Nila play, which is a little bit unexpected. But Gumiyushi and Karia have been really lane dominant from what we've seen so far this split, uh, which will probably set up very nicely with KT because KT doesn't tend to be as as lane dominant there in, in the bottom side because a lot of times they're running the Yumi or they're playing, you know, they've played a game on Ezreal. So KT has always been the team that's been kind of happy to play farm-focused weak side bot lane and try and get advantages through mid and top lane. Yeah, 
And so, I mean, Cuz will play around bottom side sometimes, but it's it's generally obviously when aiming is playing more aggressive AD carries, which he rarely does. Um, but we'll see how they want to play this one out. I think they might have to kind of camp bottom if they think that owner is going to be making aggressive plays down there because T1 are not the quiet bottom lane, as you mentioned. They will play aggressively, so maybe there's a counter gank opportunity there for Cuz if he wants to play, you know, Sejuani again or Poppy, for example. Um, could be something that he comes back to. And then on the top side of the map, obviously, um, Zayas versus Keen is a really exciting matchup because both of these top laners are the top two in the league. Um, and they both have had incredible moments individually in terms of solo kills and early pressure. Um, but I think that Keen has been more consistent than Zayas. Zayas, Zayas is 0-1 on pressure. Malphite, though. I'm gonna put that out there. <laughs> and he got a solo kill on nar in that game still God, that game that that still game lost. was not that was the genji that was the genji t1 game where like yeah. it was like literally a, an old western movie um and he, also t1 probably should have won t1 probably should have won that series if we're gonna be honest yes <laughs> there were some throws yes. there was some throws and some shenanigans for sure in that series <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think a lot of this series is going to come down to how well T1 play around straight up 5v5s because T1 skirmishing has been their focal point so far this season to, to sometimes great success, sometimes great failure. Um, that series that T1 played against Bro, uh, on Saturday, I believe, yeah, Saturday it was, they took a 2-0, but there were some hiccups along the way. I think that... Um, Breon having a pretty early game, pretty strong early game lead over T1 was washed away by the fact that T1 has more experience. They are a better five man unit. They will play the map way better than Breon, but you make those same sort of mistakes, trying to hard force skirmishes against a team like KT, you fail and KT gets ahead. I don't know if you get that same, get out of jail free card. I have Look, more experience man, as T1. I would not give KT Dejuani plus Renekton or Jax. I would not do that. Um, I would not do that just with the the success that they've been having snowballing the top side and how easily you can proc Sejuani passive in those two V2s. Like it, it would be a very bad idea. I think. But what to, if aiming gets Zeri then? No, you I know? mean, sure. Like, if so they get... that, I mean, so it's hard. It's hard to take those champions away. Right. Because some of the other priority that's, that's there for. Yeah, exactly. Team. That's what I'm saying. That's why I believe in KT Wolf. That's yeah, I why mean, I believe. Would be, I mean, it could be a problem if, BDD gets Azir. It could be a problem if he gets Talia also. <laughs> you you um, actually don't have enough bands for KT right now. That's my point. I think I haven't decided yet, and I will have to send them in literally tomorrow, I think. Um, either today or tomorrow. I th uh, Right now, at the time of this recording, I think I'm predicting KT in this series. Like I think I have to do it. I think they're a stronger team. But it, it is it is really just going to come down to form on the day. I think it's going to be very close. Um and like, as much as T1 have choked in really important series, it has generally been in playoffs, right? Or big best of fives. Um, and they have been pretty solid when it comes to facing KT in these telecom wars. It's been very close the last few times, but T1 has generally come out ahead. But I think right now on this patch, like we've kind of been saying, I mean, it's very obvious you guys could tell we're really high on KT right now. Um I think I'm like feeling like 55 KT, 45 T1 right now. I'm going to think about it a little bit more and like read some more stats and like, I don't know, like look in my crystal ball before I actually send those in. But 
Uh, and I don't even want to sound like a hipster. I feel like I'd be a hipster if I predicted T1 right now. Like, I really just think KT is the better team. I put that in my in my top uh, season end predictions after week one as well. I put KT in second. I still firmly believe that. Like, they're just behind Gen G. And T1 just don't have the same the same precision that we saw from them in spring. And I don't know why it is. Like, nobody knows for sure. They just aren't playing as cohesively together and as decisively together as they were last season. Um, and maybe they'll they'll get that back, and they're still a very strong team. But there are some some errors, right, and play errors in judgment that we're seeing from them. So you make even one small mistake against Keen, he gets fed on Jax, Renekton, he pushes those advantages, takes down that top turret, picks up a ton of gold, and suddenly you're like, one mistake on Keen is like, okay, Keen's 2,000 gold ahead. That's just how it is. <laughs> and he also very, he very rarely ints. Also, is the other thing. So getting, you know, stopping the Keen snowball is oftentimes very, is quite difficult. Oftentimes quite difficult. Yeah. I'm a believer. And this isn't getting excited about KT, guys. We're not. It's not exciting. This is a this is the prophecy. It has been foretold about KT's victory in summer. So you won't you wouldn't get excited about something that you know is going to happen. You just know it's going to happen. There's no excitement there. Yeah, it's, it's just like witnessing the prophecy unfold. I open my weather app and it says it's going to rain tomorrow. I'm not excited about it. I just know it's coming. <laughs> exactly. I can see the clouds. Okay. <laughs> They're right there. <laughs> so it's not, we're not cursing them. The prophecy has been foretold. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, it should be a really good series. I'm obviously everybody's going to be really excited about this one. There, there is a world where T1 actually is undefeated heading into this series because I do believe that they probably should have won that Gen G series with the way that the the third game was going. Um but all that said, they are at 3 and 1. Um and we'll see. I think another factor could be that you know D plus Kia plays KT a day before, so they only have a day off, one day off uh to prep for T1. It is going to be a harder week for KT. Meanwhile, T1 has two days, two full days off after they play Kwangdong. And while Kwangdong, I think, is an up-and-coming team and has shown some strength, like, that's nowhere near the strength of schedule that KT has next week. Yeah, it is a much tougher one for them. It, you know, we'll see if beating D-plus... Like, I think if KT lose to D-plus, you know, and, and D-plus have, like, a really cool read and, and they end up, like, having a, a nice draft and D-plus, you know, spend most of their focus on KT rather than Gen.G and they, like, beat KT, it might rock the confidence of KT a little bit, and they might have to go back to the drawing board. Um, I don't think so, because every time we saw KT... Happen, but... Every time we saw KT lose last split, they, like, came back stronger. You know, they, they actually diversified their team comps, figured out new strategies every time they lost, and I think that was one of the most exciting things about that roster. I also don't think they're going to lose, but, you know, if they did... I, I, I do agree they adapted, but it was, you know, this is a tough week. Like, this is adapting over the course of, like you said, one extra day. Um, you know, they're, they're going Thursday, then then Saturday. Um, but, I, look, I think that when you look at KT right now, if you're a KT fan, this has got to be the most cathartic feeling of, like, finally, it's time to be relevant. And and like well, for those look, people, who well, have I was waited. I'm a I'm a Keen and KT fan, so you can imagine how I feel right now. I felt horrible about how shit Keen was last year, but it was just because he was a on a bad team. He has been fully 
rejuvenated at this point in time. So is BDD. And I have I've always said I've been a BDD hater. This is true. But the 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 combination of KT looking very good as a team plus Keen being the best top laner and only good Malphi player in the world uh, is is transcendent for me. I want you to know that. Well, it's just like the the excitement meme. You know, I mean, it's it's an old classic, but I hate how it has lingered over this year's KT where they have actually just. Oh, I'm been sorry, I made that meme. <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. no. I know you made that meme, but like, I apologize this, for this doing is not that the to time you. to use it because the meme was good because they would just they would like, you would get excited and they would fail because they just overperformed randomly. But for the last like season this and year, now yeah. moving into this one this year. It's, they've just been a solid team. And people are like, uh, don't get excited. I'm like, shut up. It's actually time to just respect this team. And, and just remember that they should have beat they should have beaten T1 in those playoffs. Yeah. Like, they, they should were... have won that best of five. Yeah. And they, there wasn't a real world where they could have beaten Gen G in the losers' finals as well. Aiming through pretty hard on Ezreal in that game where they had massive leads and huge advantages. Um but the fact that we had, got to have a conversation that they played against both of our finalists in an insanely tight series, both yeah. of them were really good. It was really close between them. They the were three. at worst top three in spring, at worst, right? And unfortunately for MSI, you only send two teams, but it looks like KT is going to Worlds. Okay, I'm saying this in week <laughs> two right now. Looks like KT, they're already like going, all right. Let's I mean, see. it would have to be a mega collapse for them not to make top four at this point in time. No. I, if you just look at the strength of this league, like it, you basically have to see those as those three teams, T1, Genji, and KT as a cut above the rest. And then from there, it's kind of like, do you think that it will be D plus or Hanwha Life who gets their shit together slightly or is just better on the qualifier day, right? Yeah, exactly. So we talked a lot about Genji and D plus, but like not is a matchup against each other. So I guess we should talk about that match because both of these matches are happening on Saturday. So if there's one day you do not want to miss this week, it is going to be Saturday um, in, in Korean time, of course, or you have the Telecom War, which is after uh, the Gen G matchup against D plus Kia. So I, I mean, you could probably tell based on, on my lead in for this, that like, I think Gen G is definitely going to win it. I, I do think that they'll probably two zero it, but it is a tough week. Um, for D plus as well on top of that, which this does factor into to kind of my thoughts on this is Genji play against DRX before this. So, you know, that's not a tough matchup by any means. Um, I, I look at this matchup and head to head and I go, well, it's really hype that pays faces off against deft because it's like one of the oldest, most storied 80 carries versus rookie 80 carry. Who's considered at least by me. And I think by most analysts in Korea, the best 80 carry at the moment. Um, and Pays is like leading in POG points, like he's getting MVP the most. He's just popping off. Um, that storyline is is what I'm really excited for and most looking forward to in that series. And I think it's going to be one of the biggest talking points. But I'm also looking forward to like seeing Kana versus Doran. Like who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna come out on top, Monty? <laughs> who's gonna come out on bottom? <laughs> well, it depends. I think it depends on whether Kana gets uh, Kana gets Renekton or not, because that that should probably tilt it pretty heavily in D plus's favor. I do want to, I do want to put out there though, that while these rosters are not the same as last year, guys, uh, the cores of these rosters are still, still the same. And arguably D plus did improve their roster from last year to this year. Um, and 
I think that what you have to remember is that last year, what happened was we saw that frequently this matchup was quite bad for Gen G in summer, even when Gen G was like clearly the best team in summer split of last year, the versatility of Dom Juan and the fact that Canyon oftentimes just has peanuts number, including, you know, going back to the, the spring playoffs as well, where it looked like, you know, Dom Juan Kia was just going to straight up beat them with that dominant Nidalee game in game five, where Peanut was on the Hecarim and just got completely bodied in the jungle. And then they, just because of the way the meta was at the time and Nidalee dies one time, basically, then you lose the game. Uh, that's what ended up happening in and Gen G won. But remember that in the summer playoffs, Gen G picked Liv Sandbox instead of Dom Juan, even though Liv Sandbox was the higher seed because that matchup was just so shit for yeah. Gen G. And it there was just, been. it just has been for the last year. And so uh, even when Gen G was clearly the best, they didn't want to play against Dom one. And yeah, it was a different roster. They had a different top laner. Um, they had a different AD carry, but now they have a better AD carry than Dok Dom. Uh, and arguably given the kind of, performance of Nuggery and Bird all last year kind of might, he's at least on par. Let's put it that way. Might be better. Um, yeah. So uh, this, when due to the versatility of this roster and their way to hide picks, if you had to say Gen G has a weakness, sometimes it's, they don't read wacky pick win conditions very well. And because they play so heavily through Canyon, it can really like fuck up peanut sometimes. Uh, and make it very, very difficult because so much of Genji's strength comes from having mid pressure in that 2v2 that if you set Peanut behind, sometimes their entire game plan just falls apart. Yeah, I, I think that Genji has kind of been um, a team that has decided they want to play like classic League of Legends. Like, nope, we're going to master the meta and we're not going to try too many new things. And like, doesn't mean they won't throw a wrench in the gears every now and then. But Dom One is like the exact opposite. They're like, we're going to play my version of League of Legends. It's going to be my way. Or we're going to do it like the way that Canyon and Showmaker want to play League of Legends. Here's Italy and here's the Karthus yeah. in the jungle. And like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? And it's it's because of this, I think that stylistically Genji has run into problems because even though Genji has some pretty robust drafting in terms of shutting down some of the picks they're afraid of and some of the picks that they think the other team is strong at, I think Genji's very good at that score, has been fantastic at drafting, especially this season. I'm, I'm like seeing some of the, the ways that he's like blocking out Zeri comps or leaving Yumi open but making it worthless in, in, in ways he's actually kind of running circles around enemy teams. But sometimes uh, an unusual comp will come through or sometimes a team like D-plus will play a meta comp in a different way and it does throw them for a loop. So... That's why I think we do see some of these upsets happen um, and why Genji is scared of this team. That being said, I do think this meta, you know, despite like Canyon getting Nico in the jungle, it's going to be banned in this series. Like that, that's not going to happen. I think they will have a plan for Scion jungle and that type of flex if that comes through. I don't think any curveballs are going to happen. I think if Genji loses to D+, it's going to be D+, outplaying them, is what I think is going to happen in this series. Just because this meta, I feel like, doesn't allow D-plus yet to have too many unusual or secret tricks up their sleeve. LeBlanc is already revealed. Thanks, Closer. Um, so that's not, like, something they could pull out. So I would be happy to be wrong. I think it would be really exciting if the series ends up being close. But I, I feel like, you know, 
Pays will be more empowered than Deft. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I think he will overperform or outperform Deft, I mean, and I think there, they'll there, win in a standard series. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt that Gen G is the the favorite team here and should win. It's just that what for whatever reason this series this matchup has been a lot closer and Gen G has when given the opportunity to avoid playing against Canyon and Showmaker, has chosen to do so and clearly thinks that they are one of their biggest threats. Yeah. I, I, I'm i hoping the series delivers. Um, and I think Dom One fans are definitely hoping as well because for D+, it has been... It's been a, like I, every single series, like you, you read the post-game thread, you, you look at what people are saying about D+, and like even in wins, everyone's like, Oh, it's not it. Like the D plus fans are worried that they that they suck right now. They're like, oh, this we barely won. This is bad. Like the DRX series that D plus barely won was like, ooh, that was a close one there. And then they lost to Bro, and like all the D plus fans are like, yeah, I mean, Deft wasn't here, but ooh, that was uh, you know, was it all Rahel's fault? Like not really. So I, I think D plus fans are hoping for some redemption. And with a tough week like this one, I don't know if it's coming. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's this is the week where we are going to see D plus Kia a little bit exposed. But I would love to be wrong because I want a more competitive league. I Me really too. want to be wrong. I really want to be wrong. And I just had so much fun watching that Canyon Nico game that I really want this team to be very good. So I will I will hope I will pray. All right, I've got one final topic for okay. us, Wolf. Yeah. So we're gonna pick our shitter of the week, and our shitter of the week is DRX. Because <laughs> this team looks absolutely terrible. Just there were like, god off. There, there were two <laughs> there were two like moments for this team where I was like, okay. And they were both against D plus where they took one game on D plus and played one game close against D plus. And I was like, oh Paddock his positioning's really good. Like is, is he he's a strong AD carry. Like I see why they picked him. All right. That's it, though. There hasn't been, like, any other moment for this team where I've been like, oh, wait, hold on, there's a chance. Barrel has, again, continued to be a huge liability. And I was the one Barrel defender, just to put this in perspective, guys, I was the one Barrel defender in the World's Finals where everyone was like, this guy's performance was horrible. I cannot believe that they won Worlds despite him. And I was like, no, 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 his shot calling is really good. Like, some of the decisions he made, he's trying to force flashes. Like, I was the apologist, okay? I was like, no, 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 Barrel, barrel two-time world champion. <laughs> and I was the biggest Barrel defender. By, oh, and everyone God. was like, was... okay, this guy's clueless. Barrel's terrible. And now barrel, I'm like, barrel all right, all right, doesn't... you guys win, okay? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> barrel has no mechanics anymore. His hands are boom. I, I don't know what happened. Like, did... Have you seen that episode of, of Futurama where, you know, Fry trades his hand with the robot devil and the robot yeah, yeah, devil yeah, can't yeah. do anything anymore? That's what yeah. I feel like what happened to Beryl. He made some deal with the devil and now he just has defective hands. Uh, he's just been he's just been miserably bad. Uh, and by the way, we'll we'll talk we'll call our shitter of the week segment sponsored by Toto, which is a toilet brand, in hope that Toto, the Japanese toilet company, actually does sponsor us. You make good toilets, yeah, uh, which I would like great. to, which I would like to flush barrel down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I can't trust he's going to bounce back because it's just been too long. You know, like it's been a, it's been a whole year now. I mean, not a whole year, but like the majority of a year now and like 
it hasn't been like, oh man, Barrels had some off games. It's been like every game is an off game. And sometimes when you look at a draft for Derek, you're like, okay, this is good. Clean drafting. Like there's some win cons here. And the Barrels like, oh yeah, what if I flash at level two? Or Krakow's like, what if I just walk into this turret where Keen is? What if I just go, yeah, Krakow and Barrel, like, what if I just, you guys mind if I just give them 800 gold? Let's see if we can win against that. <laughs> I'm just going to put one hand behind Dude. my back. I can do it. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> so DRX versus KT, the best of three was over in a combined 48 minutes, 48 and a half minutes. So one game was 22-45. The other game was 25-45. But the first game of the series, guys, you have to see to believe. So there's this really scrappy fight, 2v2, that goes on in top lane between Rascal, Croco, Keen, and Cuz, where it is miraculous that Keen lives. But then he goes under the turret and Croc Rascal dies and Croco's like, but what if he's playing Volibear? He says, but what if I just walked up under this turret and inted even harder? That <laughs> was look, that one killed I look, me, man. man. I I love Croco. Okay. I I loved watching Croco play on Live Sandbox last year because these are the kind of plays that Croco makes. And sometimes they work and it's really funny. And sometimes they don't work. And it's also really, really funny. So I I thought Croco. As a newer player last year, he was just getting the int out, as you do with some new... You have to test your limits, right? But it's gotten to the point where I looked at that play where he just walked under the tower and then just inted the keen. I was like, this guy's done. <laughs> and then the next game, they sub out, they sub in Juhan, who, by the way, is still on DRX and was not given the chance to start. In spite of the fact that he was actually winning games in the lead-up to Worlds last year... And they got Croco instead. So he's finally here. He immediately blows Flash and dies at level one. But then actually, in spite of the disastrous level one, goes on to have a fairly respectable Kindred game considering the circumstances. They did lose. He was four and seven at the end of the game. But he was better than Croco. He was better yeah. than Croco. I don't know why they're not starting Juhan. Um, but that, that Croco game... Like legit, I said this on the cast, like when we came back. But like when that when that game ended, I instantly called the guy who who does subs, and I was like, "Is Juhan in?" And he was like, "How'd you know?" And I was like, "If you do I not pull, if you do not pull this guy after this game, it's like, are you even a coach?" Because sometimes was, when somebody has it was a, bad a game, war crime, it was a war crime. What yeah, like did it, it, like. If you're if you're a coach, like sometimes I can give you the benefit of the doubt if you don't pull someone after a, a poor performance game because it can really hurt their confidence, right? And like if you're you're in the middle of the season, it's a regular season game where you're like, all right, now he'll bounce back. Like, you know, I can give you that. But this this one was one of those moments where I'm like, if you don't pull him, like, why is like get Juhan out of jail? Okay, he needs he needs to go somewhere where people respect that he that he exists. Um, because he exists, I'm like he's right there. <laughs> he's right there, man. I see him every day. He walks into Law Park. He gets a water. You know, he says hello to everyone. I'm like, I know he's real, <laughs> and he can play. But uh, I, I, my my biggest issue is that like Duck Dom, he he was not the problem. Okay, he was not the problem in my opinion. Barrel was was having issues. Maybe Barrel has. Too much authority, maybe Barrel saying, I don't want to play with Ducktown anymore. Ducktown was injured, to, to be fair, and, and nobody really knows what's going on. Like, if I even had, like, some whisperings or rumors, I'd, I'd say them here. I don't. I don't actually know why he's not playing. I don't know if it's Barrel. I don't know if there's a fight within the team. But he's not even listed as being a part of the roster. So I don't know if he's practicing with them or screaming with them. Everyone's been pretty tight-lipped about it, so I have no idea what's going on. But Ducktown, 
is a player who has done great things in his career. Uh, Paduk had that one good series against D+, but otherwise has been fine. Like, he's he's not the problem, but he's also not going to save this team, especially when Barrel is making it so that his lane opponent has a free kill every game. And then Fate was the best part of this roster in spring, I think, pretty easily, and he was the only one he could pop off and carry. And he put Yehu in, and Yehu is the most invisible player in this tournament, and the Rascal is also just not performing to his standards, but, like, Rascal is not... Rascal's not playing that well, but you're you're not like, well, Rascal's playing badly, but you're like, well, Rascal's not having the performance to save this team like he has what? had in, in the past. What is he supposed to do, man? <laughs> he's just... He's probably just checked out like Keen was last year because what the fuck's the point? You know, what the fuck is the point? I want to see... I want to see Fate play... I, I, I also fate, by the way, he exists. I see him every day. Like, you know, Duck Tom, I don't see him. I don't know where he is. Like, he's not there. He's not part of the roster. Mike, Juhan exists. Fate exists. I see them. They come to the studio. And like, I'm like, that looks like fate over there. I see him with his glasses, a very handsome fellow. He like turns around. It says fate on the back of his jersey. I'm like, he's right there. He's, he's here. Put him in, coach. <laughs> and like, is fate, is fate a top mid laner? No. But I want to see what this team looks like with... Paddock and Fate, maybe, and Juhan. Like, what does that DRX look like? Why are we playing this version? Um, and, and why aren't they picking up another support? So, do DRX look as mentally broken as Nongshim did last year, Wolf? That's my question to you and your, your pro player that's observational a, skills. <laughs> that's a really good question. Like, I would say, weirdly enough, I would say no. I actually still think Nongshim looked a lot more broken. Like, this, this team... <laughs> like, this team... Um, like, here's the thing the the expectations of nongshim last year were far higher than the yes. expectations of this drx roster when i see this drx roster like um between games and stuff too they're communicating a lot they're talking a lot um they're like make jokes with each other and stuff it's not like a team scenario where like everyone's like barrel sitting by himself and no one wants to talk to him like barrel's communicating with all the players like and they're giving each other feedback non-stop um when i see them like walking back and forth and this is just kind of like off-camera observations I see with this team. Um, and they do spend a lot of time, like, trying to figure out what went wrong. And, like, they're not figuring it out, that's for sure. But I could see that, like, the mentality on this team doesn't seem, like, super boomed to where people are just, like, showing up and dying and and, and just being like, I just want I just want the season to be over. Like, please get me out of this contract. Like, it doesn't feel like that. Whereas on Nongshim, like, nobody was talking. Everyone looked super depressed. And it was, like... Oh man, I don't know if these guys hate each other or hate themselves or both, but like the Nongshim time was the dark. I've never seen a team in in like my career wise. I watch a, a five man unit walk around an arena with like that level of like negative energy. I've like never seen it before. I don't know if I'll ever see it again, but that <laughs> Nongshim team was sad. DRX, I think they're arguably a worse team than that Nongshim, but they don't seem to be. Are they upset? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look. It, <laughs> I they? think they could be. They could be. It's too early to tell, but like they could be. I don't know. I want man. them to bounce back. I want them. To, I want to see Fate in. I want to see Juhan as the starter. That's what I want. Because I, because I, I, I know we're not going to see Barrel gone. So I mean, I could take what I, I'll take what I can get. Like I said, these players exist. I see them. They are alive. They're showing up. Use them. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see more Juhan where there isn't some sort of level one tragedy that occurs that uh, he has to battle back from. Uh, but I think we're going to I think we're going to end up seeing more Juhan, which is an encouraging sign. Uh, so there you go, guys. 
our shitter of the week sponsored by Toto was TRX. But Thanks, mostly Toto. barreling, but mostly barrel and croco. Yeah. <laughs> mostly barrel and croco barrel and croco. I, uh, I guess okay. before, one one last thing before we close, like I, I will I guess I'll mention that we didn't really talk about Hanwa at all this week, but it was just a two zero two zero week where Clid looked better. That's really I mean, all they I played Kwangdong and DRX. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like this before somebody <laughs> is like, but they didn't talk about Hanwa at all. Like, I can't believe they avoided them. I'm like, eh, this is not the week to talk about Hanwa. Uh it was we haven't learned that much from them this week. So uh and, and next week will the... also not be the week to talk about Hanwa guys because they're yeah. playing Live Sandbox and uh Breon. However, the week after that, when they play D plus and Gen G, that will probably be the week to talk about Hanwa. Be just and because when, if... Yeah, I was just going to say, if they trip over, like, any of these matches, then we'll talk about them. We'll be like, oh, man, they lost those series. They sure. That's really bad, but they went 4-0, so, you know. I mean, realistically, guys, we have a telecom war to talk about this coming week, as well as bangers between D-plus and Gen-G, D-plus and KT, and uh, Gen-G doing horrific and unspeakable things to DRX, as well as the battle of Nongshim and DRX, which might be the worst match of this season. So maybe something funny will happen there. <laughs> maybe Too something real. That's my day happen. off this week. <laughs> Sunday. I'm not working that day. <laughs> nice. Do you get the telecom war, Wolf? I'm going to be desking the telecom war. Desking the telecom war. Very good. Very good. All right, guys. Thank you very much for watching our show this week. We'll be back with more updates on D plus Kia and the finale of the telecom war next Sunday.